Amen. So Romans 6 is where we're picking up. Uh, a recap from last week. Uh, if you have your Bible open, if you don't, if you need a Bible and you don't have one, please put your hand up. Uh, we're going through a whole chapter of the Bible. It's going to be much easier for you to follow along if you have a Bible with you and it's open. So if you need a Bible, throw your hand up and uh, we've got some in the back and someone will get one to you. Uh, Romans chapter 6 is where we're starting, but we're going to back up uh, into chapter 5 and into verses 19 and 21, just as a recap that summarizes where we were last week. Romans 5, 19, verses uh, 19 through 21 say, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many were made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So uh, that's uh, th those ending statements there in 20 and 21 really kind of wrap up uh, where where uh, chapter 5 ends. Remember, the original writings don't have these, these uh, chapters and verses, right? These were put here for us to be able to uh, better reference and understand uh, where there might even be theme changes. But it says, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Where where there's sin, you know, where, where someone says, I have sinned too much, there's no way I can go to God. If I walk in the door, uh, you know, the, the church is going to catch on fire, right? Uh, I've actually had conversations with people that have said that. I've felt that way in my own life before, you know, where I'm like, whoa, I knew what I was doing was wrong. You know, I've transgressed against the Lord. I've sinned, and there's no way he'd want anything to do with me. And then I read and I learn of his goodness and his grace and his mercy. You know, where, and I learn, like it says right here, so then as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That sin did once reign in my life, but no longer because I stand with Jesus Christ and I have eternal life. Uh, in him and, and that I uh, my life is now um, run and uh, that, that, that grace is running my life, that grace reigns in my heart, in my mind and in my life. The penalty of sin, as we're moving forward into chapter six, verse one, the penalty of sin was taken care of by Christ. Now uh, we're looking at how is uh, our old sin nature dealt with? How is our the power of sin that once oversaw somebody's life in Christ uh, dealt with? You know, that power of sin uh, in our lives has been broken by Christ. Now the focus is how we grow in our relationship with the Lord. Remember, Paul is addressing, Paul's writing this, and uh, he wants people to understand uh, his, uh, his message, the gospel message that the Lord has put on his heart. So he's gone to great lengths to show that everybody needs salvation. Everybody has to come to that point. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? Romans 3.23. And then he explains that we can be saved uh, by faith in Jesus Christ, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, right? He also wrote that in Ephesians 2. Uh, but the same, same different words, same thing. So uh, verse 1, chapter 6 of Romans says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? So Paul continues to use this question and answer method, and he asks if we shall continue to sin that grace may abound. You know, for those who would want to continue to sin, um, they would, uh, you know, they're, they're going to ask that question. So, so Paul's getting ahead of it. Like, uh, like, hey, it's, it's not just one of those things where you can just say, 
oh, you know, I, I've got God's grace. I can just go and do and live however I want to. No, God calls us to holiness, right? Be holy for I am holy. So there's a call to holiness uh, that, that from the Lord that, that a Christian, once we understand who God is, we have a relationship with him, that, that uh, we need to live. We need to live out. You know, um, the, the mindset that I can continue uh, in my sin because you know, God understands. He, he understands my scenario. God understands. I can compromise because God understands. No, God in no way, shape, or form has ever supported us disobeying him and walking with, uh, in our lives in sin, in disobedience to his word. Right? God doesn't do that. He doesn't say something and mean another. No, he very much means what he says. And he doesn't want us uh, to have this mindset that like, oh, grace exists, so I can do whatever I want. No, 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 that's not the case at all. No, grace frees us from that sinful desire to do whatever we want that brought us into the, the bondage, right? There, the, that's, that's what Paul is saying is, should we sin that grace may abound? Uh, you know, no, no, certainly not. Uh, he says, you know, because we can get to the point where we think God's grace is going to cover me, um, but we are called to confess and forsake our sin. We're not called to remain in our sin. When God uh, is convicting our hearts, when the Holy Spirit is convicting us and drawing us to Christ to repent, to turn from that thing that's destroying our lives, separating us from God, creating a division between us and him, right? When God calls us to turn from those things. You know, as verse 2 says, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? No. You know, there's a danger in, um, in a, uh, a very popular doctrine of, of once saved, always saved. Do I believe that someone, once they're saved and they are in right standing with Christ, that they're saved? Yes, absolutely I do. They, are, they have been saved, right? But we can walk away from the Lord. We can say, you know what, at one point I embraced the truth of Jesus Christ in my life. I no longer do anymore. I don't, you guys, I, I don't know of conversations you may have had, you may have said it yourself, where you get to a point where you say, you know what, I'm no, I, I, I don't want anything to do with that anymore. Oftentimes it's a result because what have we done? We've drifted, right? We've just untied from the dock and we've drifted away so far that we come to the point where, you know what, I don't even want to feel condemnation about my sin, or, or conviction, I should say, about my sin. I don't want that uh, in my life anymore. And come to the point where someone can turn their back on Christ. But yes, once somebody has truly submitted their life to Christ and they're walking with Christ, it's not like somebody can come take our salvation from us, right? You know, when, when Jesus said that, uh, you know, when, when we can be in the hand of the Father, that nobody can take an, us out of the hand of the Father, right? That, that there's nobody that can come up and say, oh, hey, I'll take this one. Sorry about your luck. You know what I mean? That's No, we serve a mighty God. You know, we, uh, uh, the encouragement I have for, for any of us this morning that are here with us or maybe listening online uh, this morning or at another point, Chuck Smith, when I heard him say this, it has, it's like burned into my brain now. He said, would you rather live your life under a question mark or an exclamation point? I, I just say exclamation point all day. It's no question, right? When, when, we're when, when we can consider that, when we're not sitting here staring our sin in the face, and we're hearing the gospel and the Lord's opening our, our hearts and our minds, we can look and go, yes, I, I want that exclamation point. Absolutely. Then turn to Christ, uh, you know, follow him and walk with him, and we'll have that uh, that." Uh, eternal security that we want in Christ, not in our own works, but in Christ. So uh, Paul asks this question and he says, should we sin 
that grace may abound, and he gives the answer, certainly not, right? Certainly not. We should not do that. There's our answer. A King James Version, if you have a King James Version, I, I believe it says God forbid, right? Those are pretty strong words, right? Certainly not. God forbid. Whatever your, verse, uh, your version says, right? Uh, it's not really left up to interpretation. You don't necessarily need to like grab a commentary and see what certainly not or God forbid means, right? You know, sometimes we might get to a point where you're like, I don't understand the wording and how that's coming together. Uh, I, I need to grab a, you know, Warren Wearsby uh, or, or whatever, grab a, a commentary and go, can, maybe somebody can open this up a little bit more for me. I mean, this is pretty, uh, if I can get it, you guys can get it. I promise you that. So, so the answer to the question is, is, is certainly not or God forbid, right? Uh, we learned last week when we were in, in chapter five that sin reigned in death. Should we want to return to that? Absolutely not. No, now grace reigns through righteousness to eternal life in Christ. You know, with the power of sin no longer reigning in our lives, we now have the power by the Holy Spirit to rely upon him for victory in our lives. We don't have to live there anymore. That 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 sin that so easily ensnared us before, right? That was bringing it that brought us into captivity that was destroying our lives. We don't have to live under the power of that anymore. That we have victory and freedom in Christ. He's so good to us. And he even says in verse 2, he says, How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? This means that for the Christian, the life of habitual sin is over. If we're walking as Christians in our lives, then the life of habitual sin is over. Right? Because as he says there, for, uh, How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? That deliberate sin needs to stop. Galatians 2, verses 20 and 21. I have a lot of references for you guys this morning, okay? Uh, Galatians, not just right now. Uh, this is only one for right now, but, uh, oh, I'm, I do, I got a few more. So, I lied, sorry. Uh, uh, Galatians 2, 20, verses, uh, verses uh, 20 and 21, actually. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live, I live in the flesh, I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. That's pretty clear. Paul, the same guy that embraced the grace of God after being a Christian murderer and a Christian uh, persecutor, uh, is writing this. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. Obviously, he's not dead, right? His physical body is not dead. He's talking about his sinful desire has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. He's talking about a newness of life that has happened with him. There's, uh, he, he's walking in a newness in life, right? Verse 21 says, I do not set aside the grace of God. Well, why would we ever want to live any longer in sin that was destroying our lives? That would be setting aside grace, right? Saying, taking grace and going, I don't want this anymore. I want to go my own way. I don't want to you know, receive God's blessings, undeserved blessings, right? Just, just think of how foolish that sounds, right? God's undeserved favor. No, I, I'm all good. I don't want anything to do with that. That's not the case, right? That shouldn't be the case. You know, for Christians, that grace is, is the best thing that we can ever experience is the grace of God, right? So what Paul is saying is that the sin nature no longer reigns uh, for those who are new in Christ. Consider the woman caught in adultery, right? Remember, uh, religious leaders bring this woman, and they think they've got Jesus cornered, right? And uh, they think they've got her, uh, got Jesus set, set there, and uh, they've got this woman 
caught in the very act. Now, you guys know what I'm probably going to say next, where was the guy, right? You know, she wasn't doing that all by herself, uh, right? I mean, you don't just get caught doing that all by yourself, right? Based on what the scripture says, they were both held accountable, right? And the, pen the, sorry, the penalty uh, for uh, adultery was death. Right? So they bring her out. Somehow the guy got away with it, probably paid him off. Who knows? Right? And they bring her out and they set her in, in, in front of Jesus, ashamed, you know, broken, just there waiting for what is coming next. So they bring her and they set her in front of Jesus and they say, well, the law says she should be stoned. Right? Is Jesus drawing on the ground. You're familiar with it. And Jesus says, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Dead silence. I know there's dead silence there. Know it. And it says that the oldest, the, those that are the more wise, they've been through life a little bit longer, and they can look and go, yeah, yeah, I understand that. So the, the younger ones, right, they were the last ones to come along because they can stand there and, oh, I've never sinned. I, I'm not that bad. I'm not hurt. Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. Maybe I am, right? So the oldest to the youngest, they start walking away. John 8, verses 10 through 12 say, When Jesus raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke again to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus Christ told her right there, you have no condemnation in me. I don't condemn you. And then he says to him, says to her, go and sin no more. What did Paul ask? Shall we sin? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound, right? What did Jesus say? This woman's caught in her sin, just like God catches us in our sin when we hear that gospel, right? When we hear the gospel of what Jesus Christ has done for us, and we're caught. I'm, I'm standing before God guilty. I can go and sin no more and live in the freedom of walking with Christ, or I can hold on to this condemnation and this guilt and this shame and let it torture me a little bit longer, right? Some of us held on to that for quite a while, right? And just let it just have its way in us. Others were smarter than me and said, hey, uh, you know what? I'll take that right now. And, and that was it. It didn't take long. When we're forgiven by Christ, our sins must go. And, and, and we must sin no more. So th those things have to go in our lives. When we stand in Christ, if we say we're a Christian, we cannot live in habitual sin. Right? We, though, Jesus didn't say, go and sin a little bit less or do it more carefully so nobody knows. You know, all those things. What did he say? Go, sin no more. That sin was, was literally could have cost her her life right then. But the grace of God covered her. She's free from sin in Jesus' eyes. Go, sin no more. Sin no longer has power over sin because that, the one that has power over sin has freed her. And, and, uh, the, and Jesus says, he who follows me at the end of uh, verse 12, he who follows me shall not walk in darkness but have the light of life. Now, will this mean we'll never, we're never going to sin in our lives? No. <laughs> I wish, right? right? I do wish that was the case. You know, are we still sinners? Yes. The power of sin at, for the Christian, we are no longer under that power anymore. Christ has removed that power of sin over our lives so that, that, that we wouldn't be able to fight that sin. 
We can, we can hide in Christ, if you will. We can go to him and say, Lord, please save me, help me, you know, deliver me from this. And we're going we're gonna to do a real big deep dive into this as we, as we continue uh, through uh, what, we're, uh, what we're reading here. But sin no longer reigns in our lives, right? Chapter 5, uh, sin no longer reigns in our lives. We no longer live in sin. Our life is now going in a different direction toward God. We should sin less as we progress in our relationship with the Lord and as we get older in life, that sin should not be uh, so common for us or, or those things, but that power of sin over us no longer exists. First John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. We are sinners. Just own it. Come to the Lord and say, God, continue to change me. Continue to mold me, right? We talked about the sanctification process, right? Sanctification. Once, once we, uh, uh, we come to Christ, we begin that sanctification process in our lives. We're sanctified. We're set free from our sin, okay? And we're no longer under the penalty of our sin. And then there's that constant sanctification process that happened, that second phase, if you want to look at it, in, in our uh, in our process of being sanctified, right? Where God starts purging these things out as time goes, as we grow in his word, as we grow in our relationship with the Lord, these things start getting purged out of our lives by, by God going and pruning these things out. Essentially, we'll experience that, that, that third step of sanctification of being with him forever, separated completely from anything that would drive us uh, to a point where we might even be tempted uh, to uh, disobey him. Verse three of Romans I know we've gotten, I don't know how far into our study, and we're into you know, verse 3 now, but, or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, just as that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also we should walk in newness of life. So baptism, we've discussed this at length quite a few times, so it'll be a, a bit more brief now. But baptism is an outward expression of the old us being dead and buried and the new us uh, being raised up in Christ. You know, when we're baptized, we're baptized into his death. That means that the old is dead and the new has come. There's a difference, right? Uh, there, there's, uh, it's, it's a picture. That's what baptism is. Uh, when I grew up, I, and, and believe me, uh, please understand, I'm, I'm not here uh, to bath, bash anybody with a Catholic background. I was born and raised Catholic. But I didn't make a choice in my life to follow the Lord when I was baptized as a baby. What we do in this church is we do baby dedications, which is really the church dedicating ourselves to that child and saying, we are going to help that child grow up in a godly manner. That's what we do. We present, you know, this wonderful gift that God has given to a family. I think the Priors, um, Carice was the youngest one maybe we just did uh, here recently. Is that probably? Yeah. Um, but we just present her. There's, there's nothing special. I can't do anything to bestow upon her salvation. I can't do anything. She needs to come to that realization of, of, of her need for Jesus Christ and and then come to Christ at some point when she understands sin and her need for a savior and uh, that she wants to walk with the Lord in her life. Then somebody and we've had young kids that can, they understand that they understand it better than than uh, some adults that I've, I've spoken with. 
Uh, and, and they say, yes, I understand these things. And they've come to that point where they now want to walk with Jesus, right? Some of our grandchildren in here, right? I, I don't have grandchildren, but some people's grandchildren here uh, uh, that, uh, that are in this church have been baptized because they understood what that meant. So, and what we do is, is a symbolic thing. We take everybody and we dump, we dunk them, right? Uh, as Jesus said in the Great Commission, we baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, right? And, and we say, based on your profession of faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And they're baptized. And we dunk them under the water and then they come back out, right? It's a symbol that the old one that was there has been has died and buried and that they've now been brought back to life in Christ, right? I, I said I was going to be brief with that, and I wasn't, but that's okay, right? The old man is gone forever. They're dead and buried, right? We don't, dead, we, we don't bury somebody who's dead and then go dig them back up. That would be weird, right? You know, we have to understand that it, baptism is us identifying ourselves as being crucified with Christ, that that's gone. 1 John chapter 3, verse 14 says, We know that we have passed from death to life. That's the first uh, part of uh, 1 John 3, uh, 14 says, We know that we have passed from death to life. Therefore, verse 4 says, Because we are baptized into his death, we were buried with him in baptism into death. That means that, like I said, we don't dig up the old man and drag him along with us. Our flesh wants to. Our flesh wants to, hey, I'm going to go get that, and I'm going to tether that thing right to my ankle. Nobody's going to see it. I'm going to have a long line there, and I'm just going to be dragging the old me behind me. I'm 195 pounds. I don't want to do that. My legs are going to get tired really fast, right? It's going to slow my walk down, right? It's going to slow those things down. No, dead, gone, right? Just as Jesus died and rose from the dead to the glory of the Father, even so we can walk in newness of life, it says at the end of verse 4. That newness of life, you probably know what's coming next. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any was in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The power of sin no longer reigns in the Christian. Now God's grace reigns in our lives. Amen? All right, dead to sin and alive to God. Just remember that as we're reading through here. Verse 5 says, For if we have been united in the likeness of his death, certainly we also uh, shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. So uh, what Paul is saying here is we, united in Christ, uh, in the likeness of his death, burial, and resurrection, uh, the uh, as we are united in him, our old man is crucified with, with Christ, that the body of sin may be done away with. The old man's dead, right? Galatians 5.24 says, And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Pretty straightforward, right? The curse of Adam no longer has power over the believer in Christ. No longer slaves of sin, it says there at the end of verse 6. No longer slaves. We've been brought from slavery to sin into freedom in Christ. The freedom from sin in Christ. You know, we can just hide in the Lord and be like, God, I don't want that old zombie that's trying to, you know, come up out of the ground to, to catch up with me. You know, I can hear it calling, whatever. No, just go and hide in the Lord, right? That 
freedom in Christ, to, to no longer be slaves of sin, as it says at the end of verse 6. If you would turn with me to John chapter 8, it's a very important thing to uh, consider as we're talking about a uh, the freedom we have in Christ and that sin uh, no longer reigns in our lives and we're no longer slaves of sin and death. Okay, John chapter 8 and turn to verse 31. John chapter 8, verse 31. Then Jesus said to the Jews, Now Lazarus has been dead for four days. Now Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, and uh, in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. I went to the wrong verse, guys. Uh, uh, we're not talking about Lazarus here. Uh, we'll talk about Lazarus in a little bit. I got ahead of myself. Uh, John 8 says, uh, so talking about the freedom in Christ, no longer to be slaves of sin. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And, if, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Then, he, then they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. And a slave does not abide in a house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Dead to sin, alive to God, right? Remember that theme as we're going through here. Jesus uh, you know, just said, uh, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. But before that, in verse 34, he says, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. So we can deceive ourselves just like these guys did, right? They're saying, we've never walked in bondage. He's like, oh, yeah, you have, <laughs> right? Have you ever committed a sin? Yes, then you are a slave to sin, right? Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. He even says in verse 31, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That freedom that is in Christ, that sin no longer reigns, we don't have to worry about the penalty of sin in our lives. We're no longer slaves of sin if we're Christians. We can't be a slave and be free at the same time, right? So we're either a slave to sin and we're in bondage to sin or we're free in Christ. It's one or the other, right? That, I love that, that, that God can be that black and white that I'm going to be able to understand it, right? That I can understand that thing, that, okay, so I can't be a slave and a free man. I can't. I'm, I'm one or the other. Verse 7, all the way back to Romans 3, uh, Romans 6, sorry. Verse 7 says, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall, uh, shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. So Christ dies no more. I remember being taught that. Every time you sin, Christ, you're putting Christ back on the cross again. No, that is not true at all. That's not, not the case at all. Death no longer has dominion over him, the scriptures say right here, right? The death that he died, he died one time for all, once. Christ doesn't need to be uh, uh, crucified over and over again. You know, if our flesh the, and the, the, the 
power of our inherited sin nature uh, is, is supposed to be crucified with Christ. If it has died with Christ, then we shall also live with him. Right, Knowing that Christ has been raised from the dead, he dies no more. Hebrews 9.27 says it is appointed for men once to die, but after this the judgment. Consider, uh, you know, when, when we die, we, we go uh, and, and then we face the judgment, right? We either are stand with Christ or we don't. You know, are, are, are we standing in Christ? Did we trust Christ for our salvation in our life or did we not, right? But all of us are going to come to the point where that's a reality. You know, we're at a crossroads in eternity. We're either going to be uh, with our Savior forever or we're going to, because we've rejected him, we're going to the place where those who rejected him in hell are where they go, right? There's, there's a choice that is given to us. God is so good to us. But it says here that, that uh, death no longer has dominion over him. Jesus, uh, it's it, it said of uh, Jesus, what, what he said in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, he says, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. And Revelation 18, so Jesus is, is claiming uh, that he is alive forevermore. He didn't die. That wasn't like the end of, of Christ's life on the cross. He rose again from the dead. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then we're all fools being here this morning. If there is no resurrection, there's no hope for eternal life. He's the one that lived the sinless life. If there was one that was going to have it, it would be him, right? But Jesus, in rising from the dead, that was him showing that he has the power over sin and death. And that when, when Christ declares us righteous by faith in him, we don't have anything to worry about. We turn from our sin and we walk with him. Who wants it? Anyways, we'll get into that later, right? Who would want it? I, I just, yeah. So he defeated sin and death, and we no longer live in the power uh, of death. We live in the power of his resurrection. Luke 18, uh, sorry, 20, verse 38 says, For, uh, this is Jesus speaking, For he is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for all live to him. Uh, if, if we're standing in the Lord, uh, just understand he's not the God of the dead, but of the living. So he's our God. Speaking of Lazarus, I know I brought him up before, a little bit of a sneak peek. Jen found one of her Christmas presents this week, too. So it's just like that, right? I had it all set. She did. She did. I left it in the back of the truck, and uh, and I had it there. Uh, it's a nice little blanket I found for her. I was all excited. and She's helping me get the dog in the truck. She goes, was I supposed to see that in the back seat? I'm like, dang it, you know? Oh, like, you're not getting it now. I'm going to return it, right? So I spoiled, you know, I spoiled it by my responsibility. Uh, so I spoiled where we were going next. Then Lazarus, right? Lazarus, John. And now you can turn me to John 11, right? We were John 8. I should have told you to keep your thumb there or whatever. John 11, verse 38. John chapter 11, verse 38. Lazarus, Jesus' friend, uh, has been dead for four days. John eleven thirty eight 38 says, Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. If you have the King James Version, it says he stinketh. Um, verse 40, uh, so, uh, Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? 
And they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, loose him, to them, loose him and let him go. This man was dead for four days. No doubt he stinketh, right? The guy reeks. He's dead four days, wrapped up and everything. Laying there in a cold hole in, inside a rock, right? In a cave. He stinks. He smells bad. Guys ever gone a day without deodorant? Yeah. And his body's just like breaking down and all these things, right? He's not sound, smelling very, very good at all. At the word of Jesus Christ saying, Lazarus, come forth. The man is raised to life again. The dead man has been raised to life. Christ speaks into our lives, you know, speaks into our death like he did Lazarus and gives us life in him. The Lord, if, we, if you've never come forth, when he calls you to come forth, do it. There's nothing to wait for. There's life like, no, I, I, I'm fine. I'm just rotting and decaying in this thing. I'm all set, Lord. Thanks. You can roll the stone back over. I'm okay being dead in here. That's not, we'd be stupid to think of that, right? That doesn't make any sense. Jesus said to Lazarus, come forth. He's bound hand and foot with grave clothes, his face wrapped with a cloth. Right? The call to come, the call to life, right? Lazarus, come forth. He's giving him back his life. Then he looses him. He says, loose him and let him go. Christ speaks life and freedom into our lives when we come to faith in him. Calls us from the grave and gives us the life, just like he did in Lazarus' life, right? That come forth. Here's your life, and you're no longer bound by these things, these grave clothes. That sin that was wrapped all around you is gone. Christ gave the command, loose him, free him. Guys, he, he offers the same. If you know this, be ready to share it. This, that's a wonderful thing to be able to share with someone that is so bound, right? We all know people in our families. If you're walking with Christ this morning, amen. If you're not, Come to him. There's no reason not to. We'll put you in the hurt lock until you do, right? I'm just, just playing. We wouldn't do that. Maybe. Um, but uh, but ultimately, we want our loved one. We, we want them to know that. And if we know somebody's just, just their lives are just, they're in the tomb. They're all wrapped up in those things. You can bring them there and say, Jesus wants to do the same in your life. It looks hopeless. Even his sister said he's been dead for four days and he stinks. Right. Even even she was saying that, like, hey, that would be great if you were here in time. That would have been awesome. But his sister's saying, no, it's too late. No, guys, it's not too late in Christ. Verse 11, back in Romans chapter six, verse 11. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That word reckon there is a calculated decision, right? You've come, you've calculated things, you've come to that, like a day of reckoning, right? We're going to take these things and we're going to bring it all together. It's all coming to a head. Uh, same, same type of thing. But reckon yourselves to be dead, that calculated decision, uh, uh, to, uh, decision, 
Uh, verse 2, remember, it said, uh, How shall we who died to sin continue any longer in it? So if we're reconcile, sorry, reckoning ourselves to be dead in sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord, there's our victory, right? So what this is really saying is that Christians are both dead and alive at the same time. <laughs> Isn't that cool? That, 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 that we can walk around as dead men and women uh, just saying, yeah, that, that old me is gone, right? That, that sinful, uh, uh, that sin that reigned over my life no longer does anymore. The old me is dead and gone, but now the new me is here. Yes, I'm still here, but I'm, I'm a, 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 walk, a walking dead man. I don't know, walking living man. I don't like to say walking dead man because then we're still walking in the death, right? But I'm a walking living person that is now walking in Christ. I'm still alive, but the old me is gone. Right? And and I'm walking in a newness in Christ. Dead to sin, alive to God. We have a new conduct, a new way to live our lives. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 3 say, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. If my dead body, my dead old whatever is hidden in Christ, uh, that then uh, that 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 death is is all gone, and now I can just go and I'm hidden in Christ in life. I'm good with that. I don't want anything to do with the one that's decaying, the one that's all still bound. No, I want to walk with Christ. No longer walk in the darkness of sin, but now we are children of light. Right. Verse 12, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it and obey it in its lusts. Uh, this means that we have choices to make, right? Look at verse, to, verse 12, it says, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, right? This means that we do have choices. We're not robots. We're not uh, victims, okay? We, we, we have to come to this, this realization fast in our lives, we can't say, no, I can do that because of this. No, we need to say, God, heal that. Take care of that. Remove that from my life. I don't want that to be you know, just floating around, just making itself available to me anymore. I don't want to hide in anything. I want to go right to uh, Christ. We have a choice to make regarding uh, our lives. Are we going to obey our flesh or are we going to obey the word, right? 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Very familiar verse in this church, right, uh, with way of escape. And, uh, and it's the it's the theme for for that ministry. First Corinthians ten thirteen. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. The way of escape is made in God. So when there, look at verse 12. It says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust. There's a war, uh, a spiritual war that we face, right? That old man wants to come out of the grave. They, we, and we are, we are to reckon them dead, right? As it said in verse 11, and I'm alive in Christ. I'm not going to let the sin reign over me anymore that I will obey its lusts. You know, we should take this approach. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. That heart that wants to depart and go, no, 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 no. I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed. Everything's been new. I want to walk with the Lord. I'm going to hide his word in my heart that I might not sin against him. Jesus told us to take up our cross daily. Be ready for the everyday battle to not let the old man come back. 
1 Peter 4, verses 1 and 2, Peter says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. There's a change that needs to happen. As P Peter's pretty blunt, right? Peter, that's the life he lived, a very blunt man. And he says that we should arm ourselves with the same mind of Christ and that we should no longer live in uh, those uh, the rest of our time for the flesh, uh, flesh uh, and the lusts of men, but for the will of God. There needs to be a, a controlling of our mind that we bring in all of our thoughts in the captivity and obedience of Christ. Not obeying the sin that wants to continue to call for us. Remember, sin doesn't reign in, in the life of the Christian anymore. Don't go back to it. No, I'm freed from those bonds. It'd be, wouldn't it be crazy if Lazarus went back? He's like, hey guys, you got those uh, grave clothes for me? I just wanted to drag them along with me a little bit. I want to wrap them around my legs. And everything. Right? It's that foolish. We can do that when, when we look back at our old sin and go, well, I, I still want to be able to play. I want to do those things. No, we, we shouldn't do that. It would be as foolish as Lazarus returning to that. Verse 13, And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So don't do this. Don't present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, right? Colossians 3, verses 5 through 7 say, Therefore put to death your members... Which are, which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil, desi evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves also uh, once walked uh, when you lived in them. So don't do these things, right? Where, what Paul is saying here is don't present your members as instruments of unrighteousness. And then he said the same Paul wrote to the church uh, in, in Colossae, and told them to put to death the members, uh, those things that are, are, are in your heart that want to do those things. Those things should not be a part of the Christian's life. Rather, do this. Present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, he says. We're a new creation in Christ, right? The old is past, all's new. The old conduct is gone, uh, The now alive to God, and uh, we walk in the freedom that he gave us. Use our body for righteousness, not for sin. Right With our mouth, speak blessings and edify others. Lead them to the Lord rather than speaking bad or tearing them down. Use our eyes looking for ministry opportunities rather than coveting or lusting after things or people. Right, Our hands to serve others and to take care of others' needs rather than to steal from them or to sin with. Our feet that we would uh, walk with someone and even pray with them rather than being swift to, sh swift to shed blood with them or use them uh, to walk down the path of sin and death. You know, that we would use our members, what God has given us, our physical members, uh, whatever gifts God has used us, to glorify Him and not to uh, you know, build ourselves up or anything. Remember in Exodus 29, uh, we were just there a few weeks ago on our Wednesday study, uh, and we got to the point where... Um, 
God has given Moses the instructions in consecrating the priests uh, the ser and the servants of God. Those who are, are walking are called to serve God, right? And that we can put ourselves in that, that we're called to serve God. And they were to kill a ram and, and take its blood and put the blood on the ear, the right ear lobe, the right thumb, and the right big toe. Sounds kind of funny thinking about it, right? But if you look at the symbolism with that, that they would hear the word of God, that they would serve God with their hands, and that they would walk with God in righteousness. That's a symbolism, right? That they that they were supposed to hear, serve him, and walk uh, with God in righteousness. So we're called to. Verse 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Sin shall not have dominion over you. That's pretty clear, right? Sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin's a cruel master, more cruel than any earthly wicked king that we may, may ever study. That sin will grind us uh, to powder internally and destroy our lives. If sin masters our thoughts, our hearts, our lives, destroys everything. But, like it says in chapter 5, sin no longer reigns, but grace reigns in Christ. Verse 15, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Again, certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? Jesus said if we sin, we are a slave to sin, right? That's what Paul is saying here. We cannot live in habitual sin. We'll sin occasionally, yes. But we can't serve two masters. We just can't. We can't serve sin and serve Christ and say, hey, I have harmony in my life. No, we don't. Right? We, we, we just don't have that. You know, when we consider, you know, what are we going to uh, consider, you know, this? What are we going to um, present ourselves as slaves to obey? Right? Sin or or God? We, we, we have a choice there. And, and that's what... Paul is presenting. Remember in James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, he says, This is how sin works, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. You know, do we present ourselves to obey sin? I don't like the outcome of that. You know, there's desire, desire brings forth brings for sin, and then sin uh, leads to death. I'd rather present myself as a slave to obedience, that, that my freedom, right? Because if we think a slave to obedience or slave to Christ is a bad thing, like, I'll take those chains all day. Those are golden chains from the Lord that, you know, they, they look cool, I'm sure, right? That, that, that we're not going to feel bound of, right? We, we don't, no, we don't have chains on us, don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is, is, if he wants to give me them, I'll take them. I'll be a bond servant of Jesus. That's that's fine with me. That's that's uh, that's what we're called to be. John chapter fifteen verses nine and eleven. We want to be slaves of 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 God of righteousness. Chapter uh, fifteen verse nine of John says, "As the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in love." If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that your love, that your joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. That obedience leading to righteousness, Jesus is saying if we obey him and keep his commandments, we'll abide in his love. I'll take that trade off. 
that my joy may, may remain and that my, my joy may be full in him. Oh, God purges the sin out of our lives. We grow in faith. We no longer desire those things that were bad for us. Now we're desiring more of him, more of his presence. The desire, I want to be in prayer. I want to be in the word. I want to be in fellowship. Those things, I want to have conversations about God. I don't want to go back to the old chains that I once uh, was dragging around with me. Oh, he's, he's so good to us. Verse 17, but God be thanked, right? This is a, this is, you know, calls for, uh, and a cause for, for great celebration. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. God be thanked. Amen. Right? His goodness calls us to repentance, as Romans 3 tells us. You were slaves to sin. That's past tense, right? You were slaves to sin. Past tense. And when he says that form of doctrine, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, Paul writing to the young pastor Timothy, he says, Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you heard from me. Doctrine. What I've told you, the doctrine that I've given you, hold fast to them is what he's telling him, in faith and in and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Hold fast that doctrine, right? You obeyed, it says here in verse 17, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine. Solid gospel doctrine is what he's saying. Just as we we read here in, in verse, uh, uh, in uh, John chapter 8, we already read there, it says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You've been, as it says in verse 18, having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness, right? That good doctrine, biblical doctrine, the what the Bible says. Guys, don't, don't just take my word for it. Go and research everything I say and dive into it, right? When we meet here and, and, and uh, we're gathered together in his word, it should be affirming what's in here. It should, it, it should be me, you know, just we're getting together to discuss these things together. But these things are, are things that we need to dive into in our own lives, right? We, we need to be opening these scriptures and understanding them uh, and, and knowing them. That pattern of sound words which you have received from me and where it says that the form of doctrine to which you have believed. You believed it and, uh, and that has brought you to... Uh, freedom in Christ, no longer a slave to sin, but a slave of righteousness. Uh, verse 19, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, Just for just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Again, past tense, you presented, just as you presented your members of slaves of unrighteousness. That past tense, you know, the former conduct, slaves of righteousness and lawlessness. And what does it say? Leading to more lawlessness, right? Just like James said, right? There's the enticing that leads to sin and sin leads to death. Sin always wants to continue to grow. It's a bad thing. Just permeates and continues to grow. And, and that's what he's saying here. As you presented past tense, your members as slaves of unrighteousness, and of lawlessness leading to more lawless, lawlessness. Now he comes to present tense. He says, he says, now, so now present your members as slaves of uh, righteousness for holiness. Big difference there, past and present tense, right? Your members are slaves. Uh, what he says here, uh, your members as slaves 
uh, to righteousness, for holiness. So much greater reward in Christ, isn't there? John 10, 10, Jesus said, The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life, you may have it more abundantly. The life that God has for us is so much greater than uh, the, that life of the lawlessness and uncleanness, you know, just continuing to grow. Now slaves of righteousness. Now we're going to find that true reward in Christ. Verse 20. For when you were sin, uh, slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. He says slaves to sin. Now considering, uh, you know, what the mindset was before coming to Christ, when we were slaves to sin, we, would con we wouldn't consider right and wrong. We didn't care. We just wanted what we wanted, and we wanted to do what we wanted to do. Right? We just, okay, I don't care what's right wrong. I don't care anymore. I just want what I want. And I want to, there's a song that I, I love, um, uh, Christian rock band, and they say, fill up on empty. Uh, you know, fill it, you know, like pulling up to the gas station and you got nothing going in there, but you think you're full, filling it up. You know, that's that's what we're doing as we're uh, walking in sin and doing those things that were right in our own eyes, that were wrong in God's eyes. And what does it say here? That uh, those things of which you are now ashamed, it led to shame and guilt. Sin always does. It always does. Verse 22. But now having been set free from sin... And having become slaves of God, you are uh, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. Being set free, having become slaves to God, no longer. If you look back at you know in verse twenty and twenty one, those things that we were ashamed of, and no longer slaves of sin, but now you know moving forward into twenty two, set free, having become slaves of God. Now we have fruit to holiness. In the end, everlasting life. You know, like like Lazarus, God uh, gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they do. Right? We studied that a few weeks back too. Grace of God is so amazing. You know, no greater transformation to be experienced than to go from death to life. Let's finish this out. Verse twenty three says, "For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord." Genesis chapter 2, verse 17 says, But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. That's When, when we consider the sin nature that's being described, the sin nature that we all uh, were born into uh, from Adam, that came all the way down from Adam. Wages of those sin, that sin that we inherit and that we live out is death, but the gift of God. Right? I love that word, but, in the scriptures. Right, Sometimes it will lead to the bad. Like the good thing will be said first and then the last. But when it comes to stuff like this, I love that. 1 Peter 1, 3, uh, verses 3 and 4 say, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Oh, hallelujah. Amen to that, right? So remember, the free gift of God that's being described here in verse 23 is not like the offense, right? We looked at that back in chapter 5, verse 15. The offense leads to death. Free gift leads to justification by faith, peace with God. 
access um, by faith into God's grace and into his presence. So Paul started chap what we know as chapter 6 is, shall we continue in sin? The question is, why in the world would we? Right? It's much better to walk in the goodness of God and, and, and live uh, in his grace. What a blessing to know that the old man can be dead and buried. Guys, you've heard me say this before. I hate the fact that somebody will tell somebody, once you're whatever, a drug addict, a, a nicotine addict, an alcoholic, a, uh, a, an addiction to pornography, anything, you're always going to be that, that you're, you're always in a state of recovery. No, not according to the scriptures. No, no longer, that sin no longer reigns. Will, will we have to fight it back? Will we have to beg God to just keep us in, just God, give me your peace that surpasses all understanding. Keep me with you. I don't want to return to that. That's going to happen sometimes, right? Till God just delivers us and frees, and frees us from that. Just understand, we're not stuck in that life of slavery to sin anymore. You know, consider, right? Like Lazarus, God calls us from death to life. He calls us to come forth. That death to life. He called the dead man to life again. And he said, loose him. Consider in our lives, loose him, loose her, right? Those death clothes, they no longer belong on that person anymore in Christ. Free to live in Christ and walk in freedom and newness of life in Christ. Doesn't that sound much better? Amen, right? Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful, so grateful, freed from, the, from sin, the power of sin in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. But Lord, you give us a title that we can be proud of and slaves of righteousness, slaves of freedom, slaves of you, willing bond servants that would walk up to the, your door and ask you to drive that all into our ear and give us that gold earring as we see the picture of in the Old Testament. Lord, we don't want to walk in sin. We want to walk in newness of life. We have to, Lord. Lord, I pray that, that all of us would reflect in our hearts where we're at with you. If there's any here who hasn't come to you, Lord, that they would come to you before leaving this church today. Today is a day of salvation. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you get up,